The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about a hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com. Also, SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio, you want to watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. There you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that and you'd like to catch it, you can do so up until 3 o'clock. At which time he'll be live in that little area right there. Right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that. Join us in the chat on Rumble. A lot of friends over there this morning. So good morning to you guys. Good to see you. And while you're over there, please subscribe to the channel. Um, <clears throat> Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. It's amazing to me uh, how many people... I mean, just... Sometimes we forget stuff, I get it, but uh, <clears throat> and people who've been listening for years, oh, what's your website? <laughs> what's, what's the Rumble channel? I say it, I don't know how many times every day, I know Bradley does too, but in any case, it's Sons of Liberty Radio Live, Sons of Liberty Radio Live on Rumble. Uh, we're also on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there, and we appreciate Michael and his team giving us a spot over there. Uh, back to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com again, sign up for our email newsletter, late afternoon, early evening, every day you'll get that. And that's all the articles we have, including the morning show archive that's available. Our store is also available right there. You guys, if you if you want to support and keep us out there, there's a donate button. And there's also you a monthly supporter. You can become a son or daughter of Liberty. Those links are at the top of sonslibertymedia.com. Uh, we stay out doing what we're doing because there's people who believe in the message that we offer. And so uh, be sure to, you know, if you're if, if the Lord leads you to do that, I, I'm not I'm not one. I don't sit here and beg people for money. I don't do that. I, I don't. Uh, if we have something on the show, uh, somebody about their book, like we had Alex Newman on, we're going to hear from him again today. Um, <clears throat> we had Alex Newman on to talk about his book. <clears throat> if that book's helpful to you, I want you to get it. Um, you know, we have people on about a variety of different things. Uh, if it's helpful to you, fine. Uh, I'm, I'm not here to be a salesman. That's not really what I'm here for. 
And I'm not here either to beg people for money. If you believe in what we're doing, uh, you're a Christian, somebody asked me this about tithing. I'll, I'll say this, and I want to diverge just back, just before the show a second, before we get into things. But <clears throat> um, we're, we're not here for the money, but the money keeps us going. And so if you feel inclined to help us, we would appreciate it. I, somebody asked me about tithing. I said, you know, tithing was specifically for the priesthood, um, you know, and then there were branches of it that were used for the poor in the society. So, and that would have been the church taking care of it, not the government, not the state side of it, but the church side of it, if you will, um, <clears throat> under the priesthood. They were taken care of because they didn't have any land. And so they were doing all these sacrifices, they were performing all the work on behalf of the people towards God, and so the people were to take care of them. And then also some of the tithe was used for those who were poor uh, every so often. It was, it was done that way, and that was a means by which the people voluntarily gave, because God didn't say, well, if you don't give, uh, you know, you're going in the ground. No, what he said was, he said, if you'll test me and, and see that what I'm telling you is good— if you will tithe, if you won't withhold that from me, watch, I'll open up the windows of heaven and I'll bless you. And at the same time, we have those who minister to us. Some, some of us have churches where our pastors are faithful, our elders are faithful in not only teaching the Word of God, but living it out before us and also disciplining within the body in order to maintain uh, holiness there with, among the people. And so if, if you're receiving something from somebody, I, this is what I tell them. I said, if somebody's performing the service for you of feeding you the Word of God, if they are teaching you, if they're equipping you to do what you're doing in the name of the Lord, well, then you need to support those people. Plain and simple. And if you've got people around you that are needy, that's part of that too, except now you're the priest, right? We're a kingdom of priests unto our God is what Peter says. That's what you're to do. Let me trace back just to the song that I played at the intro, the Stephen Curtis Chapman, Fingerprints of God. I, I do think that um, uh, there are people who just deny the obvious. <laughs> uh, they want to call themselves atheists. We, we know there's no atheist, really. What they do is they've suppressed the truth so long uh, that they don't want to see the truth. They can't, they, they've, they've put the blinders on themselves uh, that is self-evident that there's a creator and that our rights come from that Creator. They, they just deny that. But in the midst of that song, he says, you know, you're, you're this thing that the creation silently applauds. That's, that's wrong. That's wrong. The creation does not applaud men. What it does is it applauds God. <laughs> right? The heavens testify to the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. The creation sings and applauds and worships and glorifies the true and living God that created it. So I wanted to correct that. Um, that's a song from a long time ago. I don't think I've heard it for a while, but it came up on the Spotify thing. And I was like, oh, you know, I like that because the other things that he says in there um, about how it's very evident. When you look at another person, you can see God's handiwork in them. You can, and you can appreciate that. But I just wanted to correct that because during the thing, uh, you know, during the song, it kind of—I was just like, that really bothers me, um, because I do get to be a stickler for how we present things and how you know we're speaking about God, His Word, and even about ourselves uh, at this time. So 
let's cover a couple of things. I want to get into this topic about, you know, this administration continues to do what it is. And I know, I know there's the, there's the, there's the Q crowd out there that thinks Donald Trump is still president. Okay. And I know why they drop you enough stuff so that you believe it. You know, one guy over here says, well, Donald Trump can't run for a third term, implying that he's in his second term and that the military's in. You've heard this stuff, right? The QAnon sense stuff. Yeah, okay. And I confess, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a battle of darkness versus darkness that's masquerading as light. I think that's what we're seeing right now. You say, do you, are you saying we got a divided house here of Satan, like Jesus said? Yeah. Well, I mean, if look, if these guys will deceive you into thinking they're the good guys, while not stopping the bad guys, I'm just asking you, since Joe Biden went in the White House, um, what what's gone on for really for the better in the long term? Oh, well, the Roe v. Wade. Okay. Granted, granted, there's several little things that have gone on that appear to be good. But overall, what's going on? It's still, you know, head on to the, to the cliff over here. This guy here, you guys probably saw this video, and I'm not going to play it. Um, the airman who set himself on fire for Hamas was an IFA ex-cult member. I, you know what? You know what all this reminds me of? It reminds me of... The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Romans all getting together, they're vastly different in their ideologies and everything. I mean, you got, you got the Sadducees, they don't believe in an afterlife, which is why they're sad, you see. Um, and the Pharisees, you know, want to set their own standards. They want to be their own gods and set up their own law. Oh, they want to claim it's based on God's law, but it's, it's really not, and Jesus kind of exposed them there. And then you've got the Romans who are who've got their you know sandals on the necks of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. But on one thing they agree: to keep the peace, they're going to have to murder the Son of God, and they're going to push for that. And you got oh, what are the what are the various groups that they try to divide us up into? You got you got the uh, the full blown Islamists. You've got Antifa, you got Black Lives Matter, you got the trans delusionals, the LGBTQ or STV, WXYZ people. All these people have one thing in common. They hate their creator. They hate the truth that exposes their lies. And yet, they'll get together and do things in order to accomplish a particular agenda. This, this guy was one of those. This guy was one of those. Um, this comes from Daniel Greenfield. He, he posted this at uh, sonsoflibertymedia.com. The Washington Post gets around to admitting that Bushnell, this is the guy, Aaron Bushnell, was an anarchist. And look, I know there's some guys who talk about anarchy in a particular vain and I'm like okay I understand what you're saying there but there's others who are just lawless and that's usually what the word is is tied to is lawlessness okay 
Less than two weeks before Aaron Bushnell walked toward the gates of the Israeli embassy on Sunday, he and a friend talked by phone about their shared identities as anarchists and what kinds of risks and sacrifices were needed to be effective. This sounds like something out of some you know, twisted B-rated movie or something. Lupe Barboza, 32, said she met Bushnell in San Antonio in 2022 at an event of a socialist organization. She said they bonded over their politics. He was outraged, and he knew that no one who is in charge is listening to the protesters out there every week. That's true. He knows that he has the privilege as a white man and a member of the military. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, they throw that in there. Um, yeah. He's a self-loather. You know what? Again, I'll just I'll say it as simply as I can say it. Ain't nobody that color. Ain't nobody white. We got to get this out of our head. This is a major thing to breaking down things. Okay, this is white. For those of you who can see it, this is not white. This is white. This is not white. I don't know why I have to keep doing this. There are no black people. There's no black people. That's black. For the radio audience, I've held up a white box and a black... Well, it's the back of my phone. There's nobody white. There's nobody black. We are all the same color, just different shades of it. Why is that so important? Because the Bible says we're all made out of one blood. Read Acts chapter 17. That's the message there. We're all made out of one blood. We're all made in the image of God. And God is so creative that he created a vast number of colors, more than uh, Crayola can create. All right, and he said the bounds of our habitation as well. Same passage says that as well. It's interesting about this, this young man. He was said to later on in the uh, thing... Here, he was raised in a quote-unquote Christian cult, and probably rightly so. I don't, I don't know anything about this. But the the thing he's in, it's called the Community of Jesus. Um, it said it's common for the members to join the military. I don't see that as a good thing. I'm sorry, I don't see it as a good thing. When I see our military men just being used for cannon fodder, I know that's an old word, uh, in corporate wars, yeah, it's not a good thing for guys to be going and serving in that. And I know that some guys aren't doing that. Some guys are actually in defense of the country. Um, but others being sent off to do these kinds of things. That's one. Here's the second one, and then we'll move on to <clears throat> topic, because this is going to tie. this one ties in to everything else we're going to talk about during the show here. Uh, this morning. The CIA built 12 secret spy bases in Ukraine and waged a shadow war for the last 10 years. Now, yeah, we already, we, we know this. Uh, we, I remember when I first was thrown in the mix of this stuff was in uh, 2012. 2012, and <clears throat> excuse me, I lost my job in 2000, the early part of 2011. I'd been uh, doing, you know, 
working for a security outfit that did fire alarms and access control and closed circuit TV, all this kind of stuff. We did the rough ends and we did the trim outs on buildings, mostly apartment buildings um, all over North and South Carolina. And uh, things got real tough during the Obama years. The economy was like terrible. And so I, I got laid off. 18 years I've been there, and my boss was very good to me. Uh, he would always give me, he was a Christian man, he would always give me raises, and I knew he, he wasn't getting money. I knew people weren't paying him, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't press on them. And he would always give us raises as our family grew, and he was very good to us. But we had to go, and I started learning to edit DVDs. I played the David Letzweiler video for you guys. That was my first DVD that I edited um, with, the, with all the content that was there. And uh, I was only there for about a year. The, the guy was planning on bringing me there long term. And we took a stand against Mitt Romney um, running for president and calling out the discrepancy that would be there for Christians to get behind a man who believes Mormon dogma and theology. And we thought it confused the lines of what a Christian, what the Bible defines a Christian as versus... Uh, the stuff that was being promoted by Mitt Romney. Can you believe we put out a document for the sake of the gospel? That was the name of the document. You may can still find it online. I'm pretty sure you can. There was a Facebook page that we had, and I think it was called For the Sake of the Gospel. We put it out to those in the Christian community, okay, guys that preach the real gospel that we know, and said, would you sign this document stating this about why we're not going to support. And these guys were more loyal in many cases, not all of them, but in many cases, they didn't want to sign it because they, th- they thought, well, we're going to vote for them because he's the GOP guy, and we're, we're not going to put our name on that. Now, if you want to remove this part about voting for him and stuff, we'll sign it. And we wouldn't do it. Do you know, that was NiceInCouncil.com, that was the year we lost so much support that we couldn't stay, we couldn't stay afloat. And so I started with... Freedom out. Actually, I started with a ugliest sin site that was called Front Porch Politics. Seriously, you can't you can't miss this. Front Porch Politics was like <laughs> peach, red, white, and sort of a little darker than Carolina blue, with black writing. That's how ugly the site was. But they hired me, and they said, "We'll pay you this amount of money." You, I'd never written before. I struggled. Struggled to write. I still struggle to write. Most of the stuff I do now is is a blogging kind of thing. But I came in and did it. Ukraine was one of the first things that was on the on the uh, on the radar. Yep. Back then, in 2012, it was on the radar. Why? Because we were over there. Uh, the CIA was involved in causing a disruption there in the government. And that's why they had all the neo-Nazis out, you know, parading around at the time and all of this stuff. So keep that in mind. This has been going on, and it's been going on a lot longer than that. We've been funding biolabs in the Ukraine for 20, 25 years at least that we know of. (laughs) That we know of. We got the paperwork to show that. We've done a show on that as well. But here they are trying to destabilize Ukraine again. Just like they're trying to do it here. You want to know who's behind what's going on here? It's not China. It's not Russia. It's really not. It's it's in our own government. They're the ones doing it. They're the ones doing it. 
Okay, so... Oh, one other thing. I thought this interesting. I, I don't know why. I just I thought it interesting. Um, again, we've got this at sonsoflibertymedia.com, but you guys have seen all of these... Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily saying these, these Hollywood people and Disney and all this stuff... Uh, are, they're definitely not the most upstanding of people, that's for sure. And so their movies are going to reflect that in many cases. Um, television as well. But you recall a time even when we were, we were being programmed, and they use that term, don't they? They tell you what they're doing. This is our regular, or we return you to our regularly, regularly scheduled programming. What are they programming? They're programming you and I to look at the world a certain way and act a certain way. That's what they're doing. Remember what I said the other day? If Christians don't disciple the nations, the nations will disciple Christians. That's what they're doing. Programming is discipleship. Just for the record, that's what it is. But it's interesting. Hollywood's kind of tanking too. You know, we talk about a lot of businesses like Starbucks and uh, Target and all these Disney and everything else going the way of pushing the very opposite of what is the natural order. Uh, we had the guy, the CEO, Bob Inger from Disney saying that half, half of their characters and their TV shows and their, and their movies are going to be mentally ill people. You know, the LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. Half. Not the very small number and percentage that they actually are in the world. And why would you glorify that? Why would you glorify that? Hmm. This is why old TV shows are beating Hollywood's billion-dollar DEI machine. I highly recommend you take a look at it, even if you don't watch anything. It just gives you... It does show you that the vast majority of people, the vast majority, are rejecting what they're pumping out. They're, they're rejecting it. They're saying, I don't want to go see this. This is not what I this is not what I agree with. And some people will brush it off and say, oh, it's no big deal. But that's what it is. Remember, every story that you're told, every message that you're given, every song that you hear, every book that you read, there is a message being preached to you. The question is this. I don't think it's wrong to inform yourself about things, to read things, to view things. I don't think that's wrong. But do you have the filter? Do you have the discernment to wade your way through what you're taking in? That's the real issue. You say, well, why do you say that? Well, Paul read Pagan poets, he knew what they said about certain people. Read Titus. I mean, he's, he pointed to one of their own pagan poets to show them what they were. Slow bellies, if I recall correctly from my study. That's what he called them, slow bellies. <laughs> what a name. That's an insult, by the way. We don't quite get it because, you know, we try to have a hard time understanding the guys in the Middle East who take their shoe and throw it at you or whatever they do. Um, but it's just a sign of disgust of who they are. So what's, what is going on, and why aren't the people stopping it? This is, um, this is the latest here from our friend Alex Newman. We had him on, on Monday to talk about 
the indoctrination in public schools, how it's completely incompatible with the Bible. It's completely incompatible with it. If you, you know, I would say I'd open up the phone lines, but I didn't open, I didn't even turn them on today. Um, if you disagree with that, you need to show me where God commanded that, that the state was in control of teaching your children. He's, he's giving you that. He's given you that command, not the state, you, mom and dad. He's done that. And by the way, if you're one of those people who say uh, something to the effect of, well, I can't afford it, this is de- we, we've got a link in that article there. Um, publicschoolexit.com. You know, contact Alex. They have people who are donating to help, you know, people who are having it a little more difficult, especially single parents, that you can help educate your own kid. There's no excuse for not doing it. If you see this right, I'm going to tell you, just a side note, when my wife and I were convicted about all this stuff about family and how it was to be structured and who was doing what, what our roles were and the, you know, children and education and all that stuff, I, I, you know, I tell people, I said, you know, if you can, if you don't think you can do it, then at least move towards that. Start making the, the, the steps to do that. I just went full in and I'm just like, Lord, this, you know, we've got to do this. And if I got to go into debt, if I got to work two or three jobs or whatever I got to do, you know, just meet the need that we have. And he was faithful in doing that. And, uh, and we've been doing that ever since. So I, I want to say it as a means of encouragement to those who think I can't do it. There's all kinds of resources now to help you do it. If you'll just reach out and do it. Okay. All right. This is from <clears throat> uh, Alex. And I'm going to play just his short little video. It's only about six minutes or so, just to let you know what's going on. This is Biden unveils LGBT rules to force males into girls' restrooms at schools. Now, I'm just going to tell you. Men, we're going to be addressing us in just a minute. But we're the ones to put a stop to this. I don't need, I don't need somebody else to do it. These are your kids. If you're putting them in here, and if you're not putting them in there and you're doing it the right way, you still have your neighbor's kids in there. And man, we show our love for one another by looking out for one another like that, don't we? Yeah. This is, uh, this is Alex. Take a listen to what he has to say concerning this issue. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. So uh, the Biden regime has unveiled some new rules that they're going to force on all government schools in the entire country and actually all schools that take federal tax money uh, under the guise of protecting what they call civil rights. Uh, the Biden administration is planning to force all these schools to bow down to the crazy gender identities and the sexual perversions that now are basically ubiquitous in the government school system. And um, if it is finalized, which it looks like they're very close to making it final. That should come in March. Uh, the rule would also overturn all or purport to overturn, I should say, all of the different state laws that we have had across the country that ban uh, the participation of males in female sports and things like that. Um, this, again, would apply to every government school that takes federal funds. And uh, it's actually an attempt to undo something that the Trump administration did. He was trying to protect girls in, with their privacy, the sports, and, and their ability to have sex-segregated spaces. But if this goes through, uh, all government schools are going to be required to allow males into girls' bathrooms, into their locker rooms, into their showers, into their sports, uh, even on overnight field trips. Uh, you're going to have men and, and boys, males, sleeping with the girls. And uh, in a statement... 
by uh, Politico, there was a statement that was cited by Politico. The Biden administration said that this was a tool to combat sex discrimination. The only thing is they've had to redefine sex and discrimination. <laughs> so uh, they, in the statement, they said the Biden-Harris administration is committed to ensuring that all students are guaranteed an educational environment free from discrimination on the basis of sex. Uh, the, the spokesman continued and said the rule would strengthen protections for students from sexual harassment and for LGBTQI plus students. Um, and uh, by protections, of course, they mean uh, protecting men pretending to be females from uh, their ability to invade female spaces. Uh, obviously, the policies have already resulted in some pretty significant outrages like rapes in girls bathrooms. Uh, of course, you guys remember what happened in northern Virginia. And uh, this the scheme to, to override the um, the policies of state and local governments actually was hatched in 2022. Again, it was a part of an effort to undo what Trump had done. And that what Trump did was actually an effort to undo what Obama had done when he imposed this LGBT extremism on government schools using executive decrees during his term. Uh, and again, according to news reports, this rule should be implemented and finalized by March. But of course, the, the battle will continue. Uh, what's really going on here is a, it's a reinterpretation of Title IX. This is a 1972 statute that was originally, at least, designed to protect women and girls from uh, sexual harassment and discrimination. But under this new interpretation, uh, basically every kind of sexual orientation, homosexual, bisexual, polyamorous, uh, uh, you know, presumably even uh, bestiality, uh, those would all be protected uh, along with uh, potentially infinite gender. Genders, uh, transgender, gender queer, non-binary, uh, trigender, uh, you know, you you pick your weird gender and uh, that would be protected under this measure. And everybody else would have to play along with it. Right. Uh, so uh, the Child Protection League analysts there said that schools would become zones of gender indoctrination with this. They said that um, people falsely accused of this newly redefined sex discrimination would face, I'm quoting here, Soviet style disciplinary procedures. Uh, free speech would be uh, trampled on. Uh, pronoun mandates would be enforced on everyone. Uh, men and males would be allowed to ruin girls' sports, and children would be able to change gender at will without even informing their parents. Uh, obviously, critics are pretty upset about this. Uh, William Trackman, uh, he was a former deputy assistant secretary for civil rights in the Trump administration. Uh, he says, consider some of the potential effects. Students who insist that they're neither male nor female might demand that a university build a separate dormitory for each unique gender identity, in addition to the male and female dormitories that are already established to ensure equal access for all. Some students who identify as gender fluid might insist on moving back and forth between facilities. Uh, he goes on to say it could get even more onerous for schools trying to comply with this federal scheme unless the new Title IX rule clearly defines the outer boundaries of what a gender identity is. Schools will be confounded with strange requests from students who insist they are animals, outie gender, that's a neurodevelopmental gender, or even cake. Um, already, uh, a coalition of almost 20 state attorneys general has vowed that they're going to fight this with every available tool in their arsenal. Uh, the um, Proposed rule, they said, defies Title IX's text, history, and purpose. It disregards five decades of evidence showing the benefits of applying traditional definitions of biological sex and sports. And it ignores, he said, they said, uh, basic considerations of privacy and dignity, and it fails to meet the department's duty to analyze costs and benefits. Um, in addition to that, you've got uh, 68 groups now urging Republicans in the House of Representatives to defund this. Uh, they said this was a, a sweeping transformation of America's schools, families, and even the meaning of the Constitution. Uh, we also have Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just put out something on X. The Biden administration's plunging ahead with a radical rewrite of Title IX, seeking to impose gender ideology 
on K through 12 schools all across the country. This will gut protections for girls and for women. Uh, it will, for example, overrule rules that Florida has enacted that make sure that our girls and women athletes are able to compete with fairness and integrity, and that you can't inject males into those competitions and that you can't inject males into women's bathrooms and locker rooms. So they are trying to impose this under administrative rule. They don't have the authority to do it. And in Florida, we will not abide by it. They are trying to impose this under administrative rule. They don't have the authority to do it. And in Florida, we will not abide by it. So the, the takeaway, I guess, is, uh, you know, conservatives and Christians have been playing defense, trying to stop the horrors in government school for generations. And every once in a while, they get a victory and they slow down the madness. Maybe even they hold it back for a year or two. But guess what? The steamroller keeps rolling on. And uh, I mean, look. Folks, the fact is right now we're debating castrating boys. We're, we're debating whether parents should find out if their children are aborting their grandchildren. We're debating uh, whether men and males should be allowed to shower naked with girls in the shower. So if this is somebody's idea of success, um, I'm sorry, but uh, we have a big problem. Uh, I think it's becoming ever more clear that only an exodus from these government indoctrination camps will protect children. Thanks, guys. That's exactly right. He's got this th this new site, stateeducated.org, too. It's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> that's exactly right. But I have a question, and it just, it just hits me because this is the solution, fellas. And I'm saying fellas. I know you women out there, you want us to be what we're supposed to be. I, I know you do. I know you do. I was listening to DeSantis here saying, well, we put in these rules. We put in this. We've done this. And a lot of men are just fine with these puppets like DeSantis putting in rules and making laws and about anything and everything. They're just fine with that because he's got their political jersey on. Let me tell you something. Back when I was growing up, which wasn't that long ago, 70s, 80s, if you would have talked about a man going in a woman's bathroom, there would have been news footage of this guy being dragged out of there, bloodied and beaten, and the dad probably arrested or at least held for questioning and probably given a pat on the back and say, we're not pressing charge. There's nobody going to convict you over this. Today, that's what's needed. Okay, that's what's needed. And rightly so. Oh, that's unchristian, Tim. Really? Jesus said, take it a step further. Get that millstone out. Huh? Go take yourself to the sea. See, something's happened. I think there's a lot of chemicals that are responsible for it that keep men from acting as men. The other part is the hedonism. It's not just chemical. It's just men love their pleasure more than they love God, and so therefore they're not willing to lay down their life in the manner they used to be willing to lay it down because they love their life. And Jesus said, if you love your life and you seek to save it, you'll lose it. But if you lose it for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, then you'll find it. You'll find it. What if, This push of, of, of bathrooms, let me tell you something. If the men across the country got together and you formed your militias the way I told you, the way I'm encouraging you, you get the men that it's in your family. I don't care how young they are. 
You get the men in there. You start training them. You start teaching them. You start educating them. You start informing them of what's going on. Yeah, you do all of the, the physical training too. You have that band of brothers, if you will, band of merry men. You don't have to call them that if you're scared of the word. It's a constitutional word. The concept is very biblical. We've been over this many times on the show. The real law enforcers here are the men. Let's make no bones about it. And if you have a problem with that, I'll open up the phone lines tomorrow. Actually, let's not do it tomorrow. We're going to have Bambus on again, and we're going to talk about how to set up trust to protect yourself. You won't own anything, but you'll control everything that you have, that the Lord has given you to be a steward of. You're going to leave behind anyway. By the way, yes, I did finish my floor. Just throwing that in there. And we've got to put stuff back together where it is. But we're going to have him on. So you can't do it then. So <clears throat> another time when we're talking about militia, please feel free to call in. Maybe you're a police officer. Maybe you're a sheriff. Or you, you want to dispute me on some of these things. The sheriffs clearly are constitutional in our state constitutions. So I'm not going to argue over that. But constitutionally, U.S. constitutionally, um, it's us men who are supposed to be enforcing the law. Article 1, Section 8, Clauses 15 and 16. Look at them. You'll see exactly what it is. But here's an illegitimate man in the White House continuing to push the thing. Now, Alex made mention of Trump uh, and some of the things. And look, like I said, there were some things that Trump did that I think probably were right, or at least on the right track. Um, they, they probably didn't go as far as that. Um, I know some of the things didn't go as far as they should have. But it was like, look at, let me ask you something. If a guy comes to your house and he shoots up your house, kicks in your door, steals your stuff, um, makes a mess of your house, just trashes it and everything, um, but the day before and the day after, he did some good deeds for some people in the neighborhood, what are you focused on? The good deeds or what he did to you that was a violation of law? What you focus on his violation. What do you think is going to happen in the day of judgment? You think you're going to sit there and tell God about all your good deeds? I mean, Isaiah's already told, already said that our righteousness, even our good things, are like a used menstrual rag. What are you going to do? You see how we get focused and how how perverted our thinking gets when it comes to the morals that we're talking about here. All right, here's another one. And again, this is coming on from uh, the Biden administration. Heavily armed FBI agents raid the home of a decorated veteran after January the 6th uh, in some footage uh, that was obtained here. Chris Kuhn, I'm 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 hoping I say his name correctly, K-U-E-H-N-E, a 22-year veteran. When did this happen? January January 6th of 2021. We're more than three years away, and they're just now arresting this guy? Excuse me. Yep, three years away. He's a veteran who received awards, including the Purple Heart, was sentenced to prison on Friday. One day after the raid... His wife, Annette, miscarried their baby. And I, I guess this is the, the, I guess this is Annette that you'll see in the video in just a second. Kuhn was president in the Capitol on January 6th, 
but did not engage in any violence. In the early morning hours of February 11th, 2021, just a few days ago, his four-year-old son and his wife were woken up by the FBI as they ransacked his home. Kuhn was sentenced on Friday to 75 days in prison and 24 months of supervised release. He pleaded guilty. Wrong thing to do if you're not guilty. I, I understand it, but if you're going to cop to what they're putting out there, I mean, aren't you... And I get the fear. I get it. But it's a snare for you. If you're going to cop to it, pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor count of obstruction of law enforcement during a civil disorder. Uh, this here, just so the, um, the viewing audience, I probably should have just had this up. This is a, this is the raid. I'll tell you when you bring it in. Yeah. And you see all the guys go in. He's got God bless America on the side of his house. And you can see the little boy here. He's upset that they're there. He's crying. There with his mama. This is this is a veteran's house. You know, we played some of these veterans and they're weeping. Remember this one guy, he was I think he was close to 90 if not over, I don't remember. You guys might remember. He had on his marine uniform. And he just began to weep and say, "This is not what we fought for." You begin to think about all those friends of his and other men that died somewhere on the beach. And he began to weep and he, he said, this is not what we fought for. Veterans, is this what you fought for? No, I know it's not. I know it's not. I've talked to many of you. I've talked to a lot of veterans. And without fail, I'm telling you, for years I've talked to them. When I was on the construction site, I met a lot of veterans. Listened to their stories. Some of them were good and some of them were painful to listen to. Even about what some of them deal with it to this day. And without fail, all of them will say, if you support the troops, quit sending them over here to these wars. Because it messes with you up here. And it takes away limbs and it destroys families. And yet America goes, yeah, yeah, we're going to beat the bad guys. The commies and the Islamists. And I think you defeat them largely with the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal. You defeat them with the gospel. That's the large measure in which you do. And for those who want to be obstinate and they want to be stiff-necked, you're going to have to bring the sword to those guys. You're going to have to do it. Oh, Tim, there you go, advocating violence. Yeah, okay. What does the Bible say should be going on with some of this? I mean, over and over and over again. I just put it in today, and I just wanted to pull up some of these, and I want to share these with you. I confess, I put in a phrase. Put, a, put the evil away from among you. 
because it's used all throughout Scripture. But specifically, in the book of Deuteronomy. Again, the Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. It's the place where I point you to uh, as far as duties for parents, Deuteronomy 6, uh, where we're to, to teach our children and such. But it's also very instructive over the commands, statutes, and judgments of God. God says, here's what the law is. Here's how I expound it. And then here's what the punishment is if it's you know, if it meets these certain guidelines. Deuteronomy 22 is an excellent one for dealing with, you know, if you've got adultery, if you've got fornication, if you've got rape or whatever you've got, all of that's kind of broken down in that chapter and the punishment's laid out. So it's really interesting. But I want you to listen to some of the words here from Deuteronomy. I'm going to try to pick them up in their context. This one's from Deuteronomy 17. And this is dealing with the very things that I'm talking about Why does this continue to go on? Because the people think that if they vote the right guy in, he's going to do for them what they won't do for themselves. And you're getting snookered at every turn. You really are. It doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican. It doesn't matter. They snooker you. So this is Deuteronomy 17. Listen to what what we're told here. Uh, gosh, I should back up here. Let me just uh, let me bring this up one, just a second here, so I can get a little bit more context. I think I'm about a, a verse shorter or so. Um, let's just start at verse one. Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God any bullock or sheep wherein is blemish or any evil favoredness, for that I- excuse me for that is an abomination to the Lord thy God. If there be found among you within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God, in transgressing his covenant, and hath gone and served other gods, and worshipped them, either the sun or moon, or any of the host of heaven, which I have not commanded, and it be told thee, and thou hast heard of it, and inquired diligently, and behold, it be true, and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel... Then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing unto thy gates, even that man or that woman, and shalt stone them with stones till they die. And at the mouth of two or th- excuse me, at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death. But at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death. See, there has to be witnesses to the crime before you engage in this. This is not you, just you. This is why I had such a problem with the Islamists. You know, you say, "Well, you believe in the death penalty if you're committing sodomy?" Yes, but you saw the the Islamists just go through the streets and they were just grabbing people. They weren't giving them due process or anything, throwing them off buildings. You know, killing them there in the street or whatever they're doing. There is a due process, and God is very clear. If you got a w- one witness against you, that ain't enough. Two or three witnesses confirm the matter. And by the way, that's Old and New Testament. Read Matthew 18. You can also read in the book of Hebrews, I uh, forget in the particular chapter, but it's also in there as well. God hasn't changed how he brings justice. Verse 7, The hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death. So if you're going to testify against the person, you're going to be one of the first people to start putting them to death. See, this is a serious matter. It's a very serious matter. And it, 
I don't know of anybody that wants to engage in this. I don't know of anybody that wants to engage in it. I certainly don't. But this is God's command. So thou shalt put away the, put the evil away from among you. See, they start, and then the hands of the people, all the people, they join in. It's not some guy with a little bag over his head, you know, in a dark room somewhere. No, it's out in the open. It's the community saying, we affirm what has been found out about you. It's local. It's not way off, away from everybody. It's in the community the guy lives in. And the community is the one who brings about. Do you see the difference here? The people are called to govern themselves. They have judges in Israel. That's what they have. And they have elders. They don't have all of this conglomerate of agencies and all of this stuff. No, the people have to learn to govern themselves under the law. And because the people will obey the law and the strict judgments that accompany that law, because God's not known by His goodness and His grace, except by His children. They know that. God's known by His judgments. And let me tell you something. You start doing this in a community, it won't take one or two. It won't take one or two. Quick. And I, I say that with fear and trembling because, boy, I tell you what, a lot of people would get a rude awakening, but I'll tell you, if you were to do the math, you start doing that publicly, in the open, and you let it be known in your county that if you got two or three witnesses over a capital crime, the people are going to end you, your existence here on the earth and send you to the judge, and they actually see it, you'll see the crime rate go down. I'm telling you, you're going to see it. How do I know that? You remember the guy, uh, Eric Rudolph? He escaped feds for years up here in the mountains of North Carolina. Eric Rudolph, and I can't, I, I, to tell you the truth, I can't, I, I just can't bring myself to blame the guy. He knew what they were doing to children. He knew how they were murdering them in the abortion clinics. He didn't want to put a stop to it. He didn't want to hurt anybody. That wasn't his intent. His intent was to destroy an abortion clinic. So he waited late at night and thought nobody was in there and blew it up. Unfortunately, there was a night guard there. Do you know what happened after he did that? The insurance companies around the area for the abortion clinics around the area quit funding those. They weren't going to insure them. Who knows how many thousands of lives, and yeah, I know somebody can drive anywhere else and this, that, and the other, but who knows how many hundreds or thousands of lives he saved by doing that one thing. And I'm not, I'm not sitting here, I'm not going to try to justify it, but I'm saying I see in God's economy that he does certain things he allows certain things, he brings certain things in that he might demonstrate this kind of stuff. Oh, Tim, you're advocating for violence. Now, I'm just telling you what went on. I'm just telling you what went on. Men, don't you come from a time where if, if somebody was going to send a man into the bathroom or the shower or whatever, the locker room with your daughter, 
Would you wait on your governor to come up with a rule or a law? Really? Is that what you're doing? Because if that's what you're doing, then you're showing your submission to the state, not to God. I don't know how to make it any clearer. You're showing your submission to the state. Oh, please, state, come in and save us. Wait a minute. God gave you that responsibility for your daughter or your son, whatever the case may be. He gave it to you, not to the state. The fact we're even debating any of this stuff is absolutely a sign that God has given us over. The fact that people debate whether a man ought to go into a, or even a young man, an old man or a young man or a little boy or whatever, should be going into the girls' locker room, the girls' restroom. <laughs> just, you wouldn't have had this debate when I was growing up. It just wouldn't have been a debate. Somebody would have looked at you like, if you don't straighten out your thinking, I'm going to smack your face until it gets in there <laughs> kind of thing. I mean, seriously. That's what it would be like. Here's a couple more examples. I'm going to have to hold over just a couple of minutes, but just let me give you a couple of examples. This is from Deuteronomy 19, beginning verse 16. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between the controversy is shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, which shall be in those days, and the judges shall make diligent inquisition. And behold, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, he's testifying against his brother in a crime uh, that the brother's accused for, but he's not guilty of it, but he's given a false witness. He says, then, ye shall, then shall ye do unto him, that's the guy who bore false witness, as he had thought to have done unto his brother. So shalt thou put the evil away from among you. If the false witness, well, let's take the story of Jesus where they bring in the false witnesses, Right? They were testifying against him, which would have led to a death penalty. What should have been done to those men? They should have got the same thing Jesus got. Whatever they sought out for Jesus, they should have got it. And God says, you put the evil away from you. By the way, other passages say you teach men to fear the Lord. You teach them to fear the Lord. Well, Tim, isn't there any good news? Yeah, if you want to repent... You can have forgiveness. You can be reconciled unto God. It might not save you from the consequences. But if you don't repent, Jesus says you'll die in your sin. You'll be under the condemnation for all eternity. Guys, Bradley will be with you at 3. We'll be back with you in the morning, 6 a.m. Mike Bambus will be with us. We're going to talk about trust. If you want to finish up, sonsoflibertymedia.com is where you can catch us. Talk to you over there. All right, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. I'm just going to hit a couple more of these passages because I brought them up, and I think it's very relevant that we understand how are you going to put the evil away from you? You're going to have to do it. You and I are going to have to do it. You have, you have to do it. This is Deuteronomy. Um, let me make sure. I want to jump ahead of myself here. I pulled up a couple of passages. Um, I tell you what, let's move. And let's go with the first part of Deuteronomy 21. Uh, and here's what we read here. If one be found slain in the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee to possess it, lying in the field, and it be not known who hath slain him, then thy elders and thy judges shall come forth 
and they shall measure unto the cities which are round about him that is slain. And it shall be that the city which is next unto the slain man, even the elders of that city shall take an heifer, which hath not been wrought with, and which hath not drawn in the yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring down the heifer unto a rough valley, which is neither eared nor sown, and shall strike off the heifer's neck there in the valley. And the priest, the son of Levi, shall come near. For them the Lord thy God hath chosen to minister unto him, and to bless in the name of the Lord, and by their word shall every controversy and every stroke be tried. And all the elders of the city, so the, the elders work kind of like judges. They're investigators, they're the detectives, and then they're the guys who render uh, their findings. Okay. All the elders of that city that are next unto the slain man, so they're dealing with who's been killed, and they're dealing with one of the cities of refuges there. Uh, in what they're what they're doing, and remember, we t- talked about the cities of refuge before, where the guy could flee if he thought some people would come. Uh, maybe the avenger of blood, as the scripture says, you know, he's got a family member, whatever, his t- finds him dead, and he's like, he, I knew he was working with me, so he's going to come out in his passion, he's going to kill me. So he goes into the the city of refuge. So they're doing their investigation here. And they shall say in answer, they take this heifer, Our hands have not shed this blood, neither have our eyes seen it. Be merciful, O Lord. So they can't find out who's done anything in this particular circumstance, okay? That this, this hypothetical that the Lord is putting out. Um, they can't find out who's done it, but they want to offer a sacrifice for the fact that innocent blood has been shed, okay? Verse 8. Be merciful, O Lord, unto thy people Israel, whom thou hast redeemed, and lay not innocent blood unto thy people of Israel's charge, and the blood shall be forgiven them. So shalt thou put away the guilt of innocent blood from among you. Hmm. You know, they don't even know who did this. It might not even have been one of their own people. Could have been. Might not have been. So they put away the guilt of the innocent blood from among you, when thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? To do what was right was to offer this sacrifice, even though you don't even know if it was one of your own that killed this guy, that you're, you're investigating whatever happened to him. Also, Deuteronomy 21, pick up in verse 18, and Jesus reiterated this, by the way, I think it was Mark 11, I think that's where it is, Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 and following, if a man of a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father, the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, this our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. Now, before you get your dander up, they, they're not dragging little five-year-old Johnny out, okay? Or Javier, or whoever. They're not, they're not, dry, they're not bringing him out. Um, to the elders and saying he won't obey our voice. Listen to the description of this son. He's stubborn and rebellious. Okay, some of us, we may have dealt with some stubbornness and rebelliousness in disciplining our children, right? <laughs> but then they say he is a glutton and a drunkard. 
Okay, this is not talking about prepubescent kids, that's for sure. And it probably isn't talking about even, you know, probably just over that, I'm going to say. And understand something. In the community here, they had what they called the bar mitzvah, 12 years old. That's when the boy is said to become a man in this culture. And I don't, you don't think there's anything wrong with having an expectation of that at all. I think that's a good thing. And the problem is now we don't mature our kids enough to catch up with their bodies. And so their bodies are screaming a different message than what it should be, or uh, one that they can they learn to control uh, as they grow older. So he says this. He said he's a glutton and a drunkard. What's God's remedy? And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear in fear. And if a man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he... Be, and he be to be put to death, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day, for he that hanged is accursed of God. Oh, my friends, does that not sound like what Jesus did for us? Yep, it is. And they took him off before the sunset. Why? Because the Sabbath was approaching, and they put him there. That the land be not defiled, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. I mean, Christ is right in the midst of this. The judgment due these crimes, Christ is bearing in his own body. Does that mean that we shouldn't enforce the law? No, that's not what that means. But you see the Christ in the midst absorbing this for sinners. I mean, was, was, was the Apostle Paul worthy of death? You better believe he was. He was killing God's people. Did God show him mercy? Yep. Yep. Here's another one. Deuteronomy twenty two twenty one. And the elders of that city shall take that man and chastise him, and they shall immense him in an hundred shekels of silver, and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought up an evil name upon a virgin of Israel. So this is where the guy is... Um, uh, he's messing around with somebody he shouldn't have been messing around with, and she shall be his wife. It, by the way, this entire chapter is pretty good if you're really looking for, um, you know, what's to be done, especially in parallel with that story where the woman's caught in adultery, and often that, that passage is taken out of context. It says, well, you know, the one without sin cast the first stone. This is a great parallel to that because this is what the law says about that. And if you read it, you'll see they weren't following the law at all in what they were doing. Jesus just happened to call them out for their lawlessness. So, here's what, he, here's what he has. So, these are there. Uh, it says, because he has brought an evil name upon a virgin of Israel, and she shall be his wife. He may not put her away all his days. But if this thing be true, and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel. So, what's happened is, this young man... Um, has married a young woman, okay? And again, I'm not going to be gratuitous, I'm not going to be graphic, but because I'm speaking to adults, so I'm hoping that adults see, read between the lines. But on the wedding night, 
the husband and the, the groom and the bride go to their bridal chambers or their, their honeymoon, we call the honeymoon suite, right? They're going in there and they lay down a sheet. Um, and since the woman is to be a virgin and the man is to be as well, uh, there is blood that's produced, obviously, and that marks on the sheet. The sheet then is then wrapped up it is given to the father of the bride as a testimony that she is a, she was a virgin on her wedding night so this guy is claiming that his wife is wasn't a virgin on the wedding night and these tokens of virginity were to be shown okay that's that's the context here so dad's going to pull out the thing and he's going to wait a minute you're a liar see this you're either lying about my daughter or you're lying about this. Did you fix this? What, you know, what happened? That's what's going on here. So they see the testimony of the witness of the tokens of virginity, the father himself, and from more than likely the daughter here. Then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her house. I mean, if, she, if, if they don't have those tokens... If the girl doesn't have that and she really wasn't a, a virgin, then this is serious stuff, guys. They shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of the city shall stone her with stones that she die. Now, I want you to understand, the first jurisdiction was in the home. This didn't just go out into the elders. This was in, Dad knew about it first. And Dad can either call his daughter to repentance, and if she repents, he can say that her sins are forgiven, offer the sacrifice, if that's what he wants to do. You say, how, how, do, how do you get away with that? Well, take the instance of, of Joseph. What did Joseph think? Joseph was betrothed to Mary, right? And what did he believe? He believed she had been with another man. I mean, this, is, this doesn't make any sense. God has put a baby inside of you, and not sexually, by the way. The Bible says he created a body for Jesus to in, inhabit. What's Joe supposed to think? Well, he thinks she's been messing around with another guy. And the Bible says that he loved her, and so he wanted to put her away quietly. Whose, whose job was it? Whose jurisdiction was it? Because betrothal was almost like marriage. They had just not consummated yet. But it was just it was the same thing. This is why the penalties were so hard in Deuteronomy 22 over a betrothed woman. Just as much, the, the, the guy who went and violated a betrothed woman was just as guilty and worthy of death as the guy who violated a, a woman who was married. Same thing. Same penalty. So, with that said, she's to be put to death if dad takes it this far. And why? Listen, there's something here in this too that goes beyond what happens in this instance. Because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house, so shalt thou evil, so shalt thou put evil away from among you. All right? Hear me a second. Those words right there are a perfect picture of God's people in many instances of history. She hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. How often did God say that about Israel? That she had played the whore. That she was an adulteress. 
We see those words echoed in the New Testament, the book of James. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. is what James calls those claiming to be in the covenant, in the, you know, among the people of God, and yet they're doing the exact opposite of what they're supposed to be. Playing the whore in their father's house. Is that you? Do you do that? Is that what you're doing? Hmm. Later on in that passage in verse uh, 20, let's see, let's pick it up in verse 22. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die. Both of them die. See, that this is the passage where Jesus says, you're, if you're without sin, cast the first stone. But they only brought the woman. Where's the man? They shall both of them die. And again, that's why I say either one of the guys in the crowd, because they said they caught her in the act, one of the guys in the crowd was involved with her in adultery. All of them were involved in adultery, or one of their buddies was, and they just didn't bring him along. Something's going on there. In that instance. And then he has this one. If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto a husband, and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then shall the then ye shall bring them both out into the gate of that city, and ye shall stone them with stones till that they die. The damsel, because she cried not, being in the city, she didn't cry out and say, Hey, this guy's violating me. And the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. Hmm. And it's all, it's all through that passage there. There's another one. You guys remember when we went through the story of the priest who had the concubine there in Judges 19 and 20. And that it's, it's almost synonymous with Genesis 19. Uh, and the Sodomites who came out there in Sodom, to their desire was to rape the angels that were sent there to Lot and his family to get them out. And, of course, Lot tried to give them, you know, his daughters and things um, to protect the angels. And the angels just blinded the Sodomites. And the Bible says it just... <laughs> It didn't control their lust at all. It just made it harder for him to find the doorknob. But then over in Judges 19, you have something similar. You've got a priest. He's looking for his concubine. Or he gets his concubine. He takes him up. He goes into this guy's house. You've got these men surround the house. Bring out the man. And they're talking about the priest. Bring him out to us. Just like in Genesis 19, these guys are Sodomites too. They're Benjamites who are Sodomites. And of course, they're no better than, than Lot was in their action. By the way, the Bible says that Lot was a righteous man. He had a righteous soul. I, that's the grace of God because it, isn't, it doesn't come from him. His action, at least in that instance, wasn't showing that. So they give the woman over. The Bible tells us that they abused her until morning. Whatever kind of depraved thing that you can think of, cast it out of your head, that's what they were doing. And the Bible says that she died with her hand on the threshold of the door. 
she tried to get back in the house and she couldn't, she didn't even have the strength to get into the house again. And the priest came out, he found her dead. He took her body into the house. He cut it up into 12 pieces and sent it to the 12 tribes of Israel. There's no account of them having some kind of session or, you know, waiting on government to tell them they could act. No, the men of Israel gathered around and they, and this is, look at what, look at what happened. This is Judges chapter 20. And we will take 10 men of 100 throughout all the tribes of Israel and 100 of 1,000 and 1,000 out of 10,000 to fetch victual for the people that they may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin. This is where the guys were who ended up killing, they, they, they raped this woman so badly that it killed her, according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. They were of one voice, one mind. We're going to enforce the law of God against this. That's what they're thinking. And the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What wickedness is this that is done among you? Now therefore deliver us the men, the children of Belial, which are in Gibeah, that we may put them to death and put away evil from Israel. Do do you hear that? This is not magistrates. This is not judges. This is not elders. This is the men of Israel. This is the men of Israel. This is the militia, if you will. By the way, again, for those who don't know, Constitution. The only law enforcers mentioned in there are the militia. That's you and me, fellas. Able-bodied men. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15 16. Read it if you don't know it. You're the one to bring justice. You're waiting on everybody else to do it, and you are the ones to do it. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken to the voice of their brethren, the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gibeah to go out to battle against the children of Israel. And the children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities, twenty and six thousand men that drew the sword besides the inhabitants of Gibeah, which were numbered seven hundred chosen men. And among all this people, there were 700 chosen men, left-handed. Everyone could sling stones and in hairbreadth and not miss. And we could go on. But they brought judgment against these guys. Not just the guys who did it, but those who were protecting them. That's Romans 1, right at the end of the chapter. It's not just the guys who are worthy of death that's in that long list of things, starting with the sodomites and the lesbians and the backbiters and the disobedient to parents and all these guys. It's not just that they're worthy of death, but the ones who take pleasure, or in this case, want to protect the guilty, they're worthy of it too. They're worthy of it too. This is, this is serious. This is not WWE the way conservative media wants to do it or the Mockingbird media wants to do it. This is serious stuff. Because you want the answers? You got to bring about God's solutions. You got to stick to His law, His commands, His statutes, His judgments. You've got to stick to those. Those are the things that are tried and tested. I don't care who says they're antiquated, they're outdated, or whatever the case may be. You start putting this in. Men know in their hearts when they see it, they know it's the right thing to do. They know it is. Especially in light of the crimes committed against people today. 
Can you listen? Paul says that we're all going to give an account on the day of judgment for the things done good and bad in the body. I confess there's a lot of stuff I don't want to have to give an account for. I'm going to give it. I can't stop it. I can't, you know, I can't stop the future from happening. Can you imagine what some of these people promoting some of the things we've talked about during this hour, hour and a half, can you imagine the account they're going to have to give? Dude, I tremble. I really do. I, I shake sometimes at thinking of things I've done in my life that I have to give an account for. You praise God for the blood of Christ, but there's still an accounting to give. Can you imagine these guys turning these mentally ill men on young women and little girls? Turning these sodomites who have lost any kind of natural affection. Can you imagine them turning over these pagans from foreign lands to come in and to loose them on their own people? The account those guys are going to have to give, it's, it's frightening. The book of Hebrews says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is why Jonathan Edwards' message was so powerful. It showed men that they don't have the future. They're like a spider hanging on over the flames of hell with just that little strand of silk that it's spun, that it's hanging on. And at any moment, not even knowing it, the foot can slip. He referenced Deuteronomy. I believe that's where that's from. And what happened? The spider's gone. And men don't even know. They don't realize they're that close to eternity. They don't even realize it. A lot of people have things to give an account for, definitely in government. I know most people listening to me now would say, yeah, there's a lot of our government people. What about you, though? See, now we're, it gets where there's an evaluation. What about you? Are you guilty of some of the same things? Are you guilty of some of the same? You know, Paul brings up in Romans chapter 2, um, he brings up something about people who teach certain things and then they 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 act they act the same way um I'm trying to bring this this up here sorry my computer's just a little bit slow um well let's just pick up here in Romans chapter 2 shall we Therefore, thou inexcusable, O man. Remember, he's just told them in, in chapter 1. Remember, there's no chapters and verses. Try to keep that in mind sometimes because people want to divide it up just too much here. But he's carrying on the thought from chapter 1 that uh, men don't honor God as God, and so therefore God turns them over to their own lusts. Okay? So he says, therefore thou... Because they know there's a God. It's self-evident. This is why I don't really... I don't argue with atheists. 
I'm like, you know, I'll just hold to the standard. You know there's a God. Why don't you tell me why you're angry with him, why you're angry at the church or whatever, but let's just, let's get to the crux of the matter. Let's at least be honest about that. You know there's a God, but you don't like him for some reason. And I already know that because the Bible tells me about the wickedness of man's heart, right? So I'm just trying to get them just to admit the simple fact that they do know it and they act according to that knowledge they're in rebellion against him. And I, frankly, I've never come across an athe- a, prof- a self-professed atheist. I've not come across them. That when I hold them to that, and I say, I'm not going to leave that foundation because my foundation is rooted in the Scripture. And I said, I think it's self-evident in everyone. I think that's what Romans 1 is saying, that God exists. I mean, my goodness, are we, are we really dumber than, than demons? The demons know he exists. And they tremble. They don't just know it. They tremble at the fact that the knowledge of his existence is there. And men, to their shame, are dumber than demons in many, many cases. So he says, For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them, which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impotent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds... To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many have sinned without the law shall also perish without law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. You hear that? Did you catch that? Uh-huh. I know some people don't like to hear law. I know you'd hear it. And I'm not saying you save yourself in keeping the law. Nobody on Sons of Liberty has ever said such a thing. So for those who would want to go and put words in my mouth, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you what, when you're good, you want to uphold the law. That's what Paul says. He said, we esteem the law. We're not tearing it down. We're not taking it away. We're not throwing it in the trash can. It's holy and it's right and it's good. But he says, for not the hearers of the law are just before God. Do you just hear the law, but don't obey it? Well, he says you're not justified, you're not just before God, but it is the doers of the law that shall be justified. How do you do that? God's got to do something in you. He's got to empower you by His Spirit. He's got to give you grace. He's got to give you mercy. He's got to give you faith. He's the one that's got to do it in you. You're dependent upon Him. For when the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law... Yeah, they can see. They can see nature. 
They can see in nature what's going on there, and they can even formulate certain things to do it. Can they fully submit themselves apart from Christ? No, they can't do that. The Bible says they can't do that. But they can, they can grasp what's right and wrong. They can see that. Why? Why? How can they do that? Because they don't have the law. They're a law unto themselves. Verse 15. Which show the work of the law written where? Where, Where's that written at? It's written in the hearts of the Gentiles. These are people who don't have the covenant. They don't have the law. They haven't had the blessings. They don't have the history of the people of Israel. It shows the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the mean while accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, behold, thou art called a Jew, and resteth in the law, and makest thy boast of God, and knowest his will, and approvest the things that are more excellent being instructed out of the law. That's what they prided themselves on. Remember Jesus said, you look into law and you're looking for life and you're, you're doing the right thing there. The problem is the obedience. It's not, not that you're not taking in you know, what's written there. Your problem is your obedience. Art thou confident that thou thy, thyself art a guide of the blind, a light to them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth and the law? Thou therefore that which teacheth, listen to this, this is the contrast that he gives them here. Thou therefore which teacheth another, teachest thou not thyself? Now, I'll pay attention to this. Because this is what I've said many times on the show, is that most of the time when you hear me talk about these things, or I get into a preach mode or a teach mode, whatever the case may be, I'm speaking more to me than I am you. Okay? I'm speaking more to me than I am you. Because the words that I say, I have to give an account for too, right? The Bible says we're going to give account for every idle word. Oh, I pray that every day. Lord, keep us from idle words and from presumptuous sins. Keep us from idle words and from presumptuous sins. When we speak about something, is there a conviction back on us about sin ourselves? See, this is part of what Jesus says about helping our brother who's got that speck in his eye. He said, first take out the beam out of your... He said, he didn't say, leave your brother alone with his speck and just let him go. You got enough stuff to deal with. That's not what he said. He said, you take the beam out of your own eye so that you can see clearly. So you can see clearly to help get the speck out of your brother's eye. Why? Because you love your brother. And how do you love your brother? You love your brother the same way you love yourself. You get the beam out of your eye. You love yourself to get the beam out of your own eye. Now show that love to your brother and help him get that speck out. See? This is what he's talking about here. Here's what he's showing them. He said... Thou that sayest a man should not commit... Oh, excuse me, let me back up here just a second. An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which has the form of knowledge and of the truth and the law. So they know some stuff about the Bible. They know their oral traditions. They know all this kind of stuff. Then he says this. Thou therefore which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Are you teaching people that 
stealing is wrong in government. You've got the political language going with you. You're going to say, oh, they're taking our money. They're stealing our money. They're giving them these, that, and the other. And then you're, 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 you're engaged in um, stealing things from your boss. Maybe you're, gosh, what's, the, what's that word I'm thinking of now? <laughs> I hate that when you, you've got a concept where you're, you know, you're like the bookkeeper, you're embezzling. You're embezzling from your boss. This is, this is what he's laying out in front of him. Thou sayest that a man should not commit adultery. Dost thou commit adultery? Do you tell everybody else not to commit adultery, fornication, bestiality, any kind of sexual morality, and meanwhile you're engaged with whatever sexual morality you're engaged in? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Or in some translations it says, do you rob temples? You're going to speak out against idolatry, but you'll go get you'll go steal their goodies out of their false gods' temples. Thou that makest thy boast of the law, thou breaking the law dishonorest thou God, or through breaking the law dishonorest thou God. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, through you, as it is written. You know, no matter who we are. We are living epistles that are read by all men, aren't we? Not necessarily by what we say, but by what we do. I heard a thing a, a long time ago that some people won't remember what you say, but they'll always remember what you did for them. And I think the best place to put yourself is to remember both. Remember what's said, Remember why it was said. And remember what the person did for you. And then turn it around and take it on yourself. What you say should equal what you do. How does that apply in all of this stuff here? You're the law enforcer. You are the law enforcer. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Have you started... A church in your area where the men are men and they're encouraged to be men, lawful men, men, men who love God's law, who love his gospel, who submit themselves to King Jesus, and they want peace within the gates. And the only way to do that is to bring justice to the bad guys. That's the only way to do it. It's the only way to do it. Voting ain't going to accomplish it. Justice will. Justice will solve it real quick. It really will. What are we waiting on, guys? What are we waiting on? I pray the Lord will give us repentance. He'll give us a vision. He'll open our eyes. Whatever He's got to do to awaken us as men to do our duty before God. Why do we have the Second Amendment? Hmm. Why do we have that, guys? So we can show off our new gun, go down the range, Join a Second Amendment group. Talk about our rights. Or is it to enforce the law? That's what it's there for. And be a part of other men in a militia. And this is the Second Amendment. That's the first part of it. That's necessary for the security of a free state. What are we doing? What are we doing? We had a lot of talk. What are we doing? 
Are you starting with your boys? Are you starting with the men in the community? Maybe the men in your church? I know D.C. wants to shut that down, don't they? They're wanting to write laws that undermine the law. They don't want any paramilitary groups. Why don't they want that? Oh, well, we got to keep people safe from terrorism. No, they want it because they don't want anybody opposing them. They don't want to walk out there and somebody's going to make the arrest with the evidence in hand and cart them off to jail to be tried. They don't want the people to get their hands on them in passion, that's for sure, like many dictators did of the past. And, <laughs> oh, they got justice. It was at the hands of the people. They don't want that. They don't want you understanding you're the law enforcers against their crimes. And that's the real secret. That's the real secret. It's not a secret now. You're the real answer. You're the remedy to the problem, bringing justice. May God grant it. May He grant us the repentance we need to do our duty before Him before it's too late. Riley will be with you at 3. Lord willing, we'll see you back here in the morning, 6 a.m., bright and early. Lord willing, we're going to have Mike Bambus and a couple of his uh, teammates there, and we're going to talk trusts and why that's important. Also, keep in mind, some of you may have looked into trusts and you found they are mundo expensive. I mean, really expensive. And um, so Mike provides the resources that you can do them yourself. So if you're interested in that, please tune in tomorrow, and uh, we'll see you back here then. Lord willing, bright and early, 6 a.m. Adios.